Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of BBNW Speaks. I'm your host, Serafina Wambi, and I'm here with... Zeev Cohen, and I'm a senior. And... Shad Abdul Jalil, and I'm a junior. Okay, and today we're going to be talking about the Palestinian and Israeli conflict and the war that's going on currently. So, um, just to start, could you both kind of say what your ethnicity is and what your background is? So, I'm Jewish and I'm from Israel. Uh, I was born in Israel, so has my whole family. We are basically first generation uh, here in America. Uh, And we came around 2011, so we kind of missed a few wars that have happened, um, but we're really enjoying the safety. I'm Shalada Zulzulio, and I'm a Palestinian. Um, I was born in America, but my... Both my parents were born in Jordan, but they are originally Palestinian. Okay, awesome. So just to start, I'm going to kind of give a brief overview of the history for those listening, because obviously this conflict has been going on for a long time, and it honestly dates back centuries. So to kind of start around the 20th century, so on November 2nd, 1917, Britain's then Foreign Secretary Arthur Belfour wrote a letter to a figurehead of the British community committing the British government to establishing Palestine as the national home of the Jewish people. And so then a British mandate was created in 1923 and lasted until 1948, facilitated mass Jewish immigration. Um, so many of the new residents were fleeing Nazism in Europe. Um, so immediately the demographics of Ch- Palestine changed. And so... In April of 1936, the newly formed Arab National Committee called on Palestinians to launch a general strike, withhold tax payments, and boycott Jewish products to protest British colonialism and growing Jewish immigration. And then in 1947, the UN adopted Resolution 181, known as the Partition Plan, which sought to divide the British Mandate of Palestine into Arab and Jewish states. And on May 14th of 1948, the State of Israel was created, sparking the first Arab-Israeli War. And the war ended in 1949 with Israel's victory, but 750,000 Palestinians were displaced and the territory was divided into three parts. The state of Israel, the West Bank of the Jordan River, and the Gaza Strip. So Hamas won the Palestinian Authority's parliamentary elections in 2006, disposing their longtime majority party, Fatah. This gave Hamas a political and militant movement inspired by the Palestinian Muslim Brotherhood control of the Gaza Strip, but the United States and the European Union did not acknowledge Hamas' electoral victory as the group has been considered a terrorist group by Western governments since the late 1990s. So since then, there's kind of been an escalating of conflict between the Israeli government and the Palestinian um, government. And so ultimately, with the recent events that have happened, I kind of wanted to hear both perspectives, the Israeli perspective, but also the Palestinian perspective on the war and the conflict that has occurred for centuries. So you guys touched on your ethnicity and where you guys are from, but how personal would you say your ties are to that said country? Right. So as I said, I was born there and most of my family still lives there. I consider myself pretty patriotic to Israel. My, tie, my ties to the country are something that, even while living here for close to 12 years now, aren't really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I still consider myself a proud, like, Israeli uh, citizen, mm-hmm. since I'm a citizen, I have dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm going to stay that way for a long time, or forever, actually. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I would also say my personal ties are pretty close. Um, I would say I'm really passionate about the subject. Um, I also have a Palestinian citizenship as it's passed down through generations. So that basically means um, whatever my parents aren't allowed to do, I'm not allowed to do. So, like, I'm not allowed to go to the Israeli airport, things like that, even though I'm an American. 
I was born in America. I'm still not allowed to do those things because my parents are Palestinian. So I would say that's affected me a lot more, and it's caused my ties to be really close to Palestine. Okay. Um, so, I mean, Zeev, you touched on that the fact that you have family that lives in Israel currently. Um, Shaw, do you have any fa- family that lives in Palestine or that family that has been displaced? Both sides of my parents' families, they've both been displaced. Um, but I still have family that's living there currently. Okay, and so how has the war affected your family that you know of that lives there directly? So my family is living in around Tel Aviv for the most part. Uh, my grandparents and uh, a few other just uh, direct family, um, they have been going in and out of bunkers um, for a, the last weekish, right, since the war started. Um, and every couple hours, let's say, just a, about every couple hours, uh, the alarms will, or the sirens will go off, and they'll have to evacuate um, their houses to go to the bunkers. So I would say it's a pretty scary situation for my family. They're all pretty stressed. They can't live their normal lives. They can't work right now. No one is working for the most part. I have some family. Uh, actually, uh, my my closest cousin um, to me uh, is in the army, and he is fighting. Well, he he's not a, a ground troop, but he's in the intelligence and. He's helping fight, um, so I can say it's affected pretty much all my family really, really closely. I'm in charge. Currently, my uncle is stuck in Jordan because they've closed the borders down, and I know there's thousands of people waiting to get back into Palestine. Um, there's people sleeping on the streets in Jordan just trying to get back to their homes. In Palestine, they've also closed the borders out, so they've closed in and out, and I know my dad's uncle is stuck in there, and he ha- he can't get out. Um, my family, the schools were shut down. Everyone was going to groceries to, um, buy stuff before, like, the shops closed down because they are currently closed. Also, I know that in Gaza, I don't have any relatives there, but I have a lot of family friends. And I know people who aren't able to, um, talk to them, who aren't able to stay in contact with them until a couple days ago, which was really scary for them. Also, um, and we don't have the luxury of sirens. We don't have the luxury of knowing whether it's safe or not. Um, the people in Gaza don't, they don't, they can't leave. They bombed the border between Egypt and Gaza. So they can't even flee the water, the electricity, everything's cut out. So they're really suffering right now. And I know over 260 children have died, which is really scary. On both sides, I think the death toll is rising. And obviously that's scary for families on both sides and especially when you have people that you know living there and family members that's a very scary time and I just wanted to say I'm sorry for both of you that you have to experience this and that you have family members that are experiencing this because it's a very scary time and I also kind of wanted to touch on like obviously as you know the death count on both sides is rising and how does that make you feel being here and shot being in Jordan because you're not obviously there directly but knowing that the death count is rising and not really having access to extremely specific information, how does that make you feel? So for me, I know both sides are suffering greatly. Like it's it, so, so many people are dying. The, the death toll, tolls are rising daily, like every hour. Um, for me, the, when I think of the death, like the death, the amount of deaths rising, I can only imagine the children, the, especially the children, but everyone dying. Um, I can say that in Israel, um, there, uh, Hamas would kill indiscriminately uh, anyone who they would see first. 
that includes children, women, men, um, elderly, anyone. And recently, um, and I know this is a little off, but I, I think it counts into what happens with the with death tolls rising. Um, the same children killed were also found decapitated, which is just horrible to think about. Um, it's it, it, it just makes everyone feel horrible. No matter what side you're on, knowing that people are dying, it just makes you feel like the, like it's never going to end, like it's just going to keep going up and up. Mm-hmm. Shad? Um, so I'm going to go say something, and then I'll answer your question. <clears throat> um, so touching on the decapitation, um, an Israeli journalist said that we can see decapitated babies, 40 decapitated babies. Um, and later she said that there, she actually hadn't seen them and there was no evidence provided. This was also reported by CNN in the White House, the decapitated babies. And recently the White House has apologized, as did CNN, that um, this information is false. And that the Australian journalists who had a tour through the settlement, settlement they like went on a tour to see what was happening. Um, they said they didn't see anyone decapitated, they didn't see any like any like any babies, any children, or anyone in general just beheaded or anything like that. And then I'm going to answer your question, of course. Um, I feel like any innocent person dying is very sad, especially children, no matter who they are. Any child dying is sad because at the end of the day, they're innocent. But Palestinians, um, they suffer a lot more, and they don't. it's because they don't have the resources. At the end of the day, Israel is receiving $8 billion from the U.S., while Palestine is being cut off from water, from electricity, from food, from gas, from medicine, their hospitals can't even support themselves. The electricity, the power plant has run out. The hospital is cut off. They sent an SOS, and no one has responded. They can't even heal their own people. Israel, the people can leave if they want to. They're stuck in an open-air prison. They cannot leave. They, it's, it's as if they're holding two million people hostage. It's so sad. And I just think that any innocent life shouldn't be killed. But at the end of the day, they have more resources than they do and more support than we do. And I, I would like to add, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, that as of earlier today, the confirmed death counts on both sides for the Israeli people, it was about 1,200 uh, confirmed deaths with um, just over 2,000 or 3,000 injured. And for the Palestinians, it was about 14 to 1,600 confirmed dead um, with over 6,000 being uh, injured. Correct. That being said, as we all don't obviously live there, and for most of the people listening, they live here and they don't live um, anywhere near the conflict. Do you think it's harder to receive unbiased information about the war due to the fact that we don't live over there? Okay, so I, w- I will say, as she just said, uh, America, the U.S., is on Israel's side. Um, so the news here, I believe to be a, um, a not not biased, but that's, that's just what I, I believe. But I personally, me and my family, listen to what we believe to be unbiased Israeli news. But I think it, it's hard to get information that isn't biased when you're when when the people who are often reporting are so often not completely educated themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I definitely think during like any conflict, any war, it's hard to receive unbiased information. I feel like every news source tends to have at least a little bit of bias. Like I said, with um, the, what happens with the decapitation, it was later proven false. There's always going to be bias on both sides, of course. And at the end of the day, it's up to you personally to do your research, to look at multiple sources and determine what's real and what's not. I agree. Um, and so how do you think the, the media has been influential in relaying information on both sides, especially as most people nowadays consume their media like through social media? How do you think that's been influential? Yeah, so, I, I, so I've actually seen this myself uh, for both sides, actually, like complete misinformation and people just spewing nonsense, like not even just Israel, but also for Palestine and Hamas and everything. So on, on TikTok a few days ago, I, I saw the amount of misinformation spread on both sides, both pa the Palestinian side and the Israel side, uh, even about Hamas. There were people who were so misinformed that although Hamas is considered a terrorist group, um, which, as you said earlier when you were talking about the history, is controlling the Gaza Strip right now, for the most part. Basically, even the Palestinian government is under Hamas. People were praising Hamas, which is so hurtful to see on, on either side, considering the amount of deaths that they're causing for both of us. Um, but the amount of misinformation spread on social media, like TikTok and Instagram, about um, what Hamas is, what's going on right now, and just whether or not Israel or Palestine is wrong. I think people try so hard on social media to try to justify one side that they don't see that overall hurt that it causes. Sean? Um, I think for me personally, at least, I've seen a lot of live streams of what's happening, so it's helped me get a lot of unbiased information because you're seeing it directly, mm -hmm. but um, there's also a lot of misinformation, there's propaganda to get you to their side, things like that, and that's just a thing that happens with social media, it's not specific to this issue, it happens with every single topic. Can I say one more thing? Yes, go ahead. Um, I will say Hamas is a very, a group that likes to brag about what they do and that's shown on social media where they will um post themselves on like instagram and um any kind of like video any place you can watch videos they will post on social media um them actually like taking hostages and killing people um so i think that part and the so and people seeing that and praising them on social media is horrible so what ways do you think teenagers can educate themselves on the war? Um, because oftentimes, I mean, you guys have all seen it. People are just reposting things that they see their friends reposting or their favorite social media influencer reposting, but aren't actually trying to glean information or learn more about the issue itself. So what ways do you think teenagers can educate themselves on the war? I think people need to take their time when they're finding out what's true or not true, whatever. Um, but people so, especially teenagers, jump to conclusions so quickly. Um, but I think talking to people who actually have genuine connections there, like both, both of us have um, either family, friends, or family there, people who we can actually talk to in real time that can tell us what is actually going on there. I, I just think the best way to learn about what's actually happening is to talk to um, the people there and not to just take what you see at first glance for what, what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Sean? Um, I think just reading the history, like just beginning from the beginning, and just doing your own research, 
and not just when you see something go viral, you post it. Like people woke up and they were they had this sudden interest in the region and they wanted to know what's happening and they started dig they you have to dig deeper than two weeks and read beyond the headlines that have been dehumanizing Palestinians for decades because there's so much propaganda. This hasn't been happening for two weeks. You have to look beyond that. This has been happening for seventy years. Palestinians have been di displaced and killed for seventy years. So what do you think the hardest part is about there being so much information out there um, on both sides, especially for people when they're trying to form an opinion on um, issues and violent conflicts like this? I think I, I kind of maybe already answered it, but the, uh, it, it, the hardest part about it with so much information, um, especially when people are making their opinion, is, is that people like to stick to their opinion and not often change it. So... When, when the information in general is out on the internet for anyone to see, people will just immediately take an opinion to one article they read without researching the rest, which you, you kind of said a little bit of. Um, and, and there's a lot to, to actually know about before forming an opinion. So I, th I think that's the hardest part. Sean? I think it's actually not that hard. It's pretty simple, and we tend to overcomplicate things. If we just looked to the beginning, to what happened first, and just to history, who occupied who, who oppressed who, who's being oppressed, I feel like that can just give you a lot of clues about who's right and who's wrong. Like, who's, look at the statistics of who's being killed and who's not, like, how, what, who has been oppressed for the past 70 years. And that being said, for both of you, kind of what is, what are you hearing from your community about the war, um, the community here, Rashad, the community in Jordan? How is the war affecting the community around you and the people that you know um, personally? The Jewish community here is actually incredibly strong. We have a lot of people, and they're all basically a big family. We're, we're all experiencing this together. We're all feeling the same things. We all have, or a lot of us have family there. Um, so when, when we laugh together, we laugh. When we cry together, we cry. I think our community is very bonded. And... Um, the, way it, the way it's affecting our, our Jewish community here in Kansas specifically is devastating. People are just waiting for updates from their families. You know, you know it's, it's, it, it's so hard to know what's going on and be able to just go on with your daily life. Um, Shad? Um, I know people here have a lot of family in Palestine, considering um, a lot of people in Jordan, like our Palestinians themselves. So they're really stressed out and worried about their family there. Um, also, like I said, there's a lot of Palestinians stuck here, not able to go home. I know a lot of school activities were canceled, like Spirit Week, because um, we're mourning them. We're in, we feel like it's insensitive. Um, whenever you go out in the streets, there's like Palestinian music playing. The news is constantly on, like everywhere, and we're just waiting on updates for everything. Yeah. Um, so how has um, you guys kind of touched on it, but how has the violence occurring over there impacted you personally and your family? And kind of what emotions has that made you feel? I think this goes for both sides. Um, no one has, no one involved or who has people involved has really been like sleeping. Everyone's so incredibly stressed. And uh, me, me personally, I, I've been having like, how it impacted me, I've been having a hard time like even coming to school knowing that while I'm at school, something could happen to my family or, or anything. So I, I have to keep keep looking and looking to make sure everything's okay. I can say 
for my family, my mom's second cousin was murdered in battle, and that's affecting my, me and my whole family incredibly harshly. It's it, 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 the, the impact it has on us isn't something that's going to go away for a very long time. It's going to take a lot of time to recover from. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Uh, Shad? The emotions I feel are mostly sadness and anger about how Palestinians are treated so unfairly and the world doesn't support them all at all and makes them to be the problem. Um, personally, I know that um, my great-grandpa, he was... He, um, kicked out of his home and they took 20 acres of his land away from him and now on that land is actually a settlement um and the remaining land it's like maybe like very very small we built a tiny house on it and we can see the settlement from there and it's actually just really sad also a lot of friendships and relationships were affected for me um because i felt like i didn't um, receive the support that i needed and I know a lot of people who knew I was Palestinian and knew I was passionate about this start posting about it. And I, I just didn't feel like I could be friends with someone who was against killing my people. So for both sides, do you think there's going to be a resolution to the war? Obviously, I know that you guys might not agree on the resolution, but do you think it'll ever end? Um, and if so, how do you think it will end? If we take away the like that like so such a long history and we just focus on this war the only way the the israeli government at this point uh, or the military is willing to let the war end is when all almost or for the most part all hamas members are dead like they're they are it's gotten to the point where they're sieging and not they're they're not willing to to risk it anymore hamas is of course as you said again in the history has been such like a a, a power for these two places for the last very long time and israel has had enough and like today uh on the news when i watched it in the morning i watch israeli news so i, I only watch what's actually coming from israel i watched um one of our military leaders talk about how we're gonna send in troops now to gaza uh on land and we're not gonna stop until all hamas members are dead Shad? um can i before i answer your question out to what he said um, how do they differentiate between Hamas members and Palestinians? Because I know, like, so many of the Palestinians dead weren't even fighting. To Like I said, 260 in the past week, 260 were children. I don't know how they justify that. Um, I, I do want to say, for a lot, uh, unfor as unfortunate as it is, a lot of civilian uh, deaths on both sides were just um, kind of like, collateral which is really sad um it's both sides trying to go for important parts of the other of, of the other side and uh, unfortunately not caring about the people there um I, but for your question about how to differentiate um i the the i cannot tell you exactly but the intelligence is so incredibly advanced that they're able a lot of the time to just know where they're at know who the people they're looking for are know the faces and all these things but i i personally i cannot tell you why or exactly how they would differentiate if the intelligence is so advanced how are they shooting the wrong people women and children and elderly well i i mean i don't want to debate with you it's fine no i know i know that's fine um but i okay. i think a lot of the deaths are so i i'm sure you you've definitely i don't know i'm even saying that uh, you've definitely seen like all the pictures of what uh, Gaza looks like right now, right? 
all the, the all yeah. the like demolished buildings, neighborhoods in ruins and everything. But a, a lot of those, unfortunately, are just um, retaliation, which is sad because Israel has to defend itself. They can't just be hit and not hit back, which which is really sad. The way that but, but this is all going on. Wait, sorry, sorry for cutting you off. No, it's but, okay. Um, um, why do they like? What are they hitting back against in the first place? Like, why did? Why is this problem? Can we look at the root cause? Like, forget the past two weeks. Like, let's just look at what, what's been happening before all this. What has been happening for like so long for seventy years that like, and people only now started talking about it. Like, it's just been happening for so long. I feel like. And people have just woke up because Israelis were killed this time and not Palestinians because they value Israeli lives more than Palestinians. But what you said is why why are they fighting back? But what Yeah, what... exactly. Like they came to our land and they took it and they displaced it. We welcomed them after the Holocaust. America didn't welcome them. The British didn't welcome them. Who welcomed a good amount of Jews? Palestine welcomed them. They were like, you can come to our land after the horrible things that have been done to you. You can come to our land. And what happened after that, they agreed with Brit the Britain that anyone who didn't agree to get out of their home, they would kill them. I don't want to talk too much about the past history, but I, I would actually like to say, and uh, the, I, it just where our opinions differ, because I think that instead of thinking of the last history, to think about, in, in this specific question you asked, the last two or week, because when it doesn't matter who you are or what your history is, if you're being attacked, you're going to fight back. Um, that's yeah, just how it works. Sorry. The, the, root, the root is the war, the, the war that's going on right now. The root is um, Gaza being trapped for so long. The open-air um, prison hasn't been happening just since now. It's been happening for ages. I don't know how to say it, but Palestinians have been oppressed for so long. I feel like I... Sorry, Sean, I didn't Go mean ahead. to cut you off. I just feel like I should step in before it escalates, because obviously I know on both sides, I mean, with any issue, especially an issue just like this, and with a war, there being different sides, and obviously this has gone on for so long, It's in fact, it's impacted both of your families greatly. It, it's run its course through the history of your families, and obviously these are this is a very important topic to both of you, and you obviously are going to have your opinions. I feel like everyone has their opinion on this issue. And you're entitled to your own opinion. So I don't want you guys to, like, argue. Because ultimately, I know on both sides, the facts look different. The history for both sides looks different in what's happened. And so I think... But I mean, I mean, seriously, sorry to cut you off. No, no, like, no, you're fine. We both agreed on the history that you said. Yes. And just from looking at that, like, you can see who took whose land, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I don't want to argue. If you want, I can just say my resolution. So my resolution, I think... Personally, what I would start with is just um, adhering to the natural, the international laws that were placed by the United Nations in 1967. Resolution 242 said that any land um, that Israel should stop taking any land, and that any land taken after that point is technically illegal right now. It quote unquote um, withdrawal of Israel armed forces from territory occupied in recent conflict that conflict is the six day war i'm pretty sure where um israel doubled its land so basically any 
land right now that was um, taken after 1967 is illegal under international law. So maybe just starting there, starting with adhering to those laws, I feel like might be a good place to start for the resolution. Thank you both for um, joining me. Can I add one last word? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. So um, a couple hours before this interview, um, there was this extend there was news that this extended family of 44 they just had um 16 family members murdered and all of them were under the age of 16 and i thought that this was really time relevant and it's just something very horrible that happened very recently like you said that's that's extremely sad i think the violence that we've seen on both sides is i think what makes it such a big issue for a lot of people especially being here just knowing that that is happening even if it is across the Atlantic Ocean, I think is something that makes it especially very real to me, but I also think very real to a lot of people listening. And thank you guys for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate um, your input and your perspective. And I'm sorry for um, all like the losses that you've experienced. Like Steve, you talked about um, your family member who's died. Um, I'm grateful to have you guys on the podcast. And I'm also praying for both of your families that nothing bad happens to them. Thank you. And... Yeah. So thank you all for listening in to this episode of BB&W Speaks. Um, I'm your host, Sarah Kunawambi, and we're out.